All right, we're talking tonight about Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog. And those uh, two names are, um, are prominent here in chapters 38 and 39. And we're going to start reading the text in just a moment. But before we read the text, what I want to do is by way of introduction, share with you that uh, in the, the Bible, both Old and New Testament, there are three uh, wars or battles that uh, you need to be aware of, and you, need, you and I need to distinguish them in our minds so that when we're studying various portions of the Bible, we can identify which one of these is being talked about. So I'll give them to you first, and then I'll explain them to you. All of this, again, by way of introduction. There is what I call, and others call, the Ezekiel War, which is what we're looking at tonight in Ezekiel chapter 38. Lord willing, next week we'll look at Ezekiel 39. So there's the Ezekiel War. Then there is Armageddon, and that is in Revelation chapter 19. And then after that, there is what I'm calling the final conflict, and that is in Revelation 20. Those are three distinct conflicts or battles or wars. And so let me, with that brief word, let me uh, give you a little more information about this. When we use the words, when the Bible uses the words Gog and Magog, what it's talking about is a person and a place. Gog is a person, a man, and Magog is the place where Gog lives or where he is from. So it is both a, an actual physical person and place, and it also is symbolic of and stands for the enemies of God. I will show you what I'm talking about in just a moment, but you and I, I can, I can illustrate it like this. When, when we hear the, the term 9-11, there may be two things that you would think about. 9-11 is a date on a calendar. Every year in September, there's a 9-11. But also 9-11, when we hear it, it provokes certain thoughts in our minds about events that happened on 9-11-2001. And that's the same way or similar way that the Bible uses the terms Gog and Magog. They are specific people or places, but they also stand for something larger than that. Now then, the Ezekiel 38 war is the first one I want to uh, call your attention to. It is described here in Ezekiel 38 and 39. This war is conducted while Israel is in the land. They are in the nation of Israel. They are living in peace and safety. Their, wall, their, their cities are not walled. Back in Bible days, most cities had walls around them for security. In Ezekiel 38, the cities and towns do not have walls. The people are living in safety and security. This Ezekiel 38 and 39 war happens after the rapture of the church 
and during the tribulation. So I've given you the who and the when and the what. The what is the Ezekiel 38 war. The who is it's between people. I'll describe that more in just a moment. But it happens actually in the nation of Israel after the rapture of the church and during the great tribulation. The second of these three wars or battles is called the Battle of Armageddon. Interestingly, that word, and by the way, when we use that word too, it can speak of two different things. It speaks of the actual Battle of Armageddon, which is going to happen in the future, but it also speaks just of a, a, uh, a general idea of a cataclysmic event. There have been movies and TV shows and other things that have been entitled Armageddon, having nothing to do with the Bible, but just as a concept, this is the worst of all possible things that could happen. And so in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 16, you have the word Armageddon, and it is speaking about armies that gather at Armageddon for a final battle. Turns out it's not the actual last battle, but it is the battle that happens when Jesus returns at the second coming. So we read about that uh, in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 21. The battle of Armageddon is really over before it starts because uh, in Revelation chapter 19, toward the end of the chapter, there's a description there of uh, the armies that gather in the field called Armageddon. There is an actual battlefield in Israel named Armageddon just north of a hill called Megiddo. Armageddon is sometimes also called the Valley of Megiddo. And uh, Armageddon is the place where that battle is going to happen. But there's not going to be much of a battle because this, this happens at the second coming of Christ. Jesus has already come for the church at the rapture. There's been seven years of tribulation going on on the earth. And during that seven-year period, the church is in heaven with the Lord having the marriage supper of the Lamb. When that is over and the great tribulation comes to an end, that's when Jesus returns to, for his second coming, he returns to the earth to set up the millennial kingdom. It's at the second coming, it's after the tribulation, but before the millennial millennium, and it is right after that that Satan is bound for 1,000 years. Okay, so I've given you the Ezekiel War, the Armageddon battle, and now what I call the final conflict. And that is given to us in Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. In those verses, verse 8 especially, we see, in fact, we ought to turn to that because I want you to see what uh, the Word of God uh, says about this battle, and who is involved in this battle. Revelation chapter 20, verses 7 and 8. Now when the thousand years have expired, now Satan has been bound and put into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. That's, that's uh, what we call the, the millennium. Uh, millennium and a thousand mean the same thing. 
And so the thousand years have expired. Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. So here again, you have this term, or these terms, Gog and Magog, standing for the people who are against the plans and purpose and the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so at the final conflict, you have Gog and Magog showing up again. It's not the same exact people because they've been killed previous to this at the, uh, during the tribulation, but it's the spirit of Gog and Magog uh, that are still around and are defeated by the Lord as he sends fire from heaven uh, to wipe them out. So keep those three separate conflicts in your mind or in your notes as we go through our Bible study tonight and next week as well. Now, um, let's look now at the scripture and look with me at point number one in your outline. And point number one is this, the Lord's message to Gog. Now, I know the name Gog and God sound a lot alike. So tonight, what I'm trying to do is every time I'm talking about the Lord God, I'm trying to say the Lord, so, you won't, so I won't say it wrong, talk about Gog or God. So that's why all of these are about the Lord, and it's, that's why I've used his name in that way. The Lord's message to Gog, and this is in chapter 38, verses 1 through 17. So let's pick it up here uh, at verse 1, and we'll read through verse 6. And then I'll give you the fill in the blank there under letter A. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and Libya are with them, all of them with helmet and shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north, and all its troops, many people are with you. Okay, letter A under point number one is this, Gog and his allies. Remember that Gog is a person and he is a leader of uh, this land, this area north of Israel referred to in verse two, Meshach and Tubal. Now this is roughly the area that Russia uh, occupies now. And I believe that in the latter days, which I believe we're in, it's going to be Russia along with some others who are going to be involved in this Ezekiel 38 and 39 battle. So it's not Russia by itself, though. You notice that there are others involved. And what is going to be the motivation for them to attack Israel? Well, in the larger sense and the bigger picture, it is God who is motivating them 
to invade Israel. But also Gog, and we'll see this in a moment, has ideas and thoughts about what he wants to do in invading Israel. So who's going to be with him during this time uh, of preparation for uh, the invasion by Gog into Israel? It says here in verse 5, Persia, and you may recall that Persia, ancient Persia, is modern-day Iran. So we have Russia, we have Iran. The second word there in verse 5 in my Bible is Ethiopia. The original Hebrew there is the word Cush, C-U-S-H. It was a, it's a region in Africa that is roughly just west of Egypt and west and south of Egypt where Sudan is located now and parts of Ethiopia. So this is another of the allies of Russia. And then Libya, which in the Hebrew is the word put or put, P-U-T, and it refers actually to the country today, which is called Libya. So you've got the countries, some, some countries and areas north of Israel, Russia and Iran. And then you've got some that are south and west of Israel in Africa. And what does it say about them? It says they are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. And then you've got in verse 6, Gomer and all its troops, the house of Togarma from the far north and all its troops, many people are with you. Now, I want you to turn with me. Hold on there for a moment. Turn back to the book of Genesis. And I want you to uh, look with me at chapter 10 of Genesis. And we're going to read about Magog, and we're also going to read about Gomer and Togarma. So look, this is right after the flood destroyed all life on earth except for those that were inside the ark. Now, the, uh, the, the people who are on the ark, Noah, his wife, their three sons and their wives have gotten off the ark and they're scattered uh, all over the place, and they begin to repopulate the earth. So let's look now at what the Bible says in verses 1 and 2 of Genesis chapter 10. Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras. You see right there in verse 2 that there are four names that we've just read in Ezekiel chapter 38. There's Magog, which is the re that This is actually a son who was born to Japheth, but because many of these sons moved to different areas, the areas took on the name of whoever the leader was, or the first one there, and of course, uh, that's why it's known as Magog. And then there also, you see Gomer, 
Tubal and Meshech, who are other sons, and those are regions north of Israel uh, in Russia, generally speaking. And then look uh, at verse 3. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Ripha, or Riphath, and Togarma. So you've got Gomer and his son Togarma, and these people migrated basically to a region that we know as the Caucasus right now. It is between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea, part of Russia. But again, all of these folks, uh, at least most of them, spread out to the north of Israel and have established their uh, positions there. That is, except those who are from Africa, but they are not going to attack Israel from the south. They're going to get their troops around to the north and join Russia and the others as they come from the north. Scripture is very clear about that. They will come from the north in order to attack Israel. So we see Gog and his allies. Letter B, we see Gog's attack on Israel, verses 7 through 9. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. He's still speaking to Gog, the, the great leader of all these people. After many days, you will be visited in the latter years. And again, we know that Ezekiel is not talking about something that has already happened. He's talking about something that is yet to happen. It is in the latter days. You will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nations and now all of them dwell safely. Again, the Israelites in, in Ezekiel's setting here, they have been brought back from many nations. Now, the, the Israelites that went back from, from um, Babylon were in Babylon, and they went back to Israel. So Ezekiel here is talking about a different time. It wasn't immediately after the Israelites returned to to. Uh, to uh, Jerusalem and Judea, it was far into the future that Ezekiel is talking about. You will ascend, look at verse 9, you will ascend coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Now again, let me go back just for a minute, give you one more little history lesson about the Jews. We talked about this last Wednesday night, but just to remind you, after the the uh, Hebrew people, the Jews came back to Judea uh, after their capture and uh, after their uh, length of stay in Babylon. They went back, they rebuilt the temple, they lived there in uh, Jerusalem and in Judea and Israel for another 400 plus years. And then the Lord Jesus came and they rejected him by and large. And a few years after that, a Roman general by the name of Titus came and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, tore down the temple with the exception of the western wall that's still there. And then about 60 years or so after that, in 135, the Romans again destroyed the city and they spread the Jews all throughout the world. And the Jewish people had not had a Jewish homeland for, for 1,900 years until the year 1948, three years after the end of World War II, 
when the United Nations, uh, led by the United States, declared that the land that was called Palestine at that time be renamed and would, that the Jews would have a permanent home called Israel. Before that, they had not had a home anywhere in the world. They were scattered to the four winds. But now, they do. And beginning in 1948 until today, Jews have been moving back to Israel, some years in greater numbers, some years in lesser numbers. But as I shared with you last week, the, the numbers now are just exploding for Jews who are some are returning to Israel, but most are coming to Israel for the first time to immigrate there and to live there. Why are they doing that? Well, again, the big picture is God is bringing them. This is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37. We are seeing it in our lifetimes. And Ezekiel 38 is following on the heels of Ezekiel 37. So the next thing that's going to happen is what Ezekiel here is talking about in, in uh, view of the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. And so we have the um, Agog's attack on Israel. They are living in peace. They are living in safety in unwalled cities. And that's the way it is by and large in Israel today. Now, right now, there's an uprising uh, from uh, the Muslims and Palestinians, uh, Hamas, who are... Uh, because of, and you may have heard this, this is very fascinating to me, there was an imam from Iran who, in studying the Quran, the Quran that's hard to say, imam, Quran, Iran, uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, he, in studying the Quran, he discovered, quote-unquote, he discovered that Israel would cease to be a, a people or a nation by July of this year. And so that has motivated the Muslims who hate Israel to try to hasten the process so they will be a part of the time on the calendar when Israel would no longer exist. And therefore, you're seeing from Gaza, you're seeing incursions into Israel from terrorists, uh, you're seeing uh, the Hezbollah, in, who is just across the border in Lebanon, who are, who are financed by Iran. And you're seeing also civil war that's been going on in Syria for years and years. And do you know uh, some of the main people who are in Syria now? The Russians and the Iranians. They are on the border with Israel or close to it even now. And so what you're seeing here is God bringing together all kinds of, of um, events that were prophesied in the Old Testament thousands of years ago. And you and I are seeing them fulfilled in our lifetime. And if I remember when I get to the end of the message, I'm going to tell you when the rapture is coming. So you just hang on. So we have Gog and his allies. We have Gog's attack on Israel. Letter C under your outline, or under point number one, is Gog's action, his action plan. Look with me at verse 
10. Thus says the Lord God, On that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages. I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take plunder and to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan, by the way, that refers to Saudi Arabia, those two names, Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and that refers to Spain, and all their young lions will say to you, have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? So here is Gog's action plan. It's going to come into his mind that it's time now to invade Israel. And so he's going to get all these peoples together, those that I mentioned, the allies that we talked about earlier. He's going to get them all together. They're going to get ready to invade Israel. They're going to invade from the north. He wants to go into Israel because Israel is living in peace. They're living in prosperity. And uh, he thinks that this is a great time to attack them because they won't be ready uh, to fight against him. And so he is thinking, this is a good time for me to go into Israel. I can, I can plunder them. I can take their silver and their gold. And now he would also want to take their gas. You know, for years and years, Israel was dependent upon other countries for their energy. They, had, uh, they were an energy importer. But then just a few years ago, four or five years ago, a huge deposit of natural gas was found just off the coast of Israel that contains trillions of cubic feet of natural gas. And so now Israel has gone from being an importer of energy to being an exporter of energy. In fact, one of the things that's very fascinating, we're seeing it played out right now, one of the things that's happening is, and you know this from the news, Russia has been supplying Europe with oil and gas for years and years. But that's coming to a stop because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Well, wouldn't you know, just in the nick of time, Israel has billions of cubic feet of natural gas available. They're already laying pipelines across the Mediterranean. They're trying to negotiate a deal with Turkey and also with Greece to run gas pipelines across their countries and into Europe. Now, time will tell whether it all works out or not, but I find it very fascinating that all these things are happening. Ten years ago, if Russia had invaded Ukraine, Israel would not have had any gas that they could have exported, but now they've got far more than they could ever use. So you have Gog's action, and then letter D is Gog's army. Look with me at verse 14. 
Therefore, son of man, this is speaking to Ezekiel here. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, thus says the Lord God, on that day when my people, Israel, dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company, and a mighty army. You will come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O Gog, before their eyes. Thus says the Lord God, Are you he of whom I have spoken in former days by my servants, the prophets of Israel, who prophesied for years in those days that I would bring you against them? Here God is speaking to Ezekiel about the armies that Gog is going to command in the latter days in order that they might invade Israel from the north. And so we have here the Lord's message to Gog is about his allies, his attack on Israel, his action plan, and his army. It's going to happen one day. Mark my word, it has not happened yet. Well, don't, don't, don't mark my word. <laughs> Take God's word, because it's God's word that tells us that. Now then, point number two in your outline is this, God's message about Gog. The Lord's, rather, the Lord's message about Gog. So first we saw his message to Gog, and now it's about Gog. Look with me at uh, verses 18 through 20. And it will come to pass at the same time when Gog comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath, I have spoken. Surely in that day, there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the beasts of the field, all creeping and all, uh, all things that creep on the earth and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. This is God saying that he's going to show his wrath. Letter A under point number two, the Lord's wrath to be shown. Now, this is a message that Gog does not get to hear from Ezekiel. This is just simply God's message to Ezekiel about what he's going to do when Gog and the armies of the north invade Israel. And then he's going to show them his wrath. And then letter B, under point number two, is the Lord's glory to be known. So the Lord's wrath to be shown and the Lord's glory to be known. Look with me now at verse 21. I will call for a sword against Gog throughout all my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. You see what he's saying there? They're going to fight each other. 
Every man's sword is going to be against each other. And, verse 22, I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him, on his troops, and on the many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, and brimstone. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. They shall know that I am the Lord. This is the ultimate thing here in this passage that God is wanting to do. That is, show His glory. He's wanting people to know Him. Now, people can come to know Him now and receive forgiveness of sins and have heaven waiting on them when they die, plus many, many other wonderful gifts that God gives. But there are people who won't come to know Him as Lord and Savior, but, but they will come to recognize that He is God, He is the Lord, and one day every knee will bow and every eye will will uh, see and every voice will shout that Jesus Christ is Lord. For some people, for millions of people, it will be too late for them to be saved. But nevertheless, God says, thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be made known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel 38 is all about Gog and Magog, what's going to happen in the latter days as this man gets these armies together to invade Israel. He's, and he thinks he's got it made because they're living in peace, they're living in security, and they're not prepared for a battle. He doesn't know that the Lord is going to be fighting Israel's battle for them. And so he's going to lose big time, but he's going to be shown the wrath of God and the glory of God, so that he and all the others who are there at that time will know that there's a God in heaven. His name is Yahweh. His name is Jehovah. His name is I am who I am. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the victor. He is the power. He is the one who is Lord, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now then, let me ask you this question. Would you like to know when the rapture is going to happen? I'm going to tell you when the rapture is going to happen. You can go out of here tonight and say, I didn't know this before, but I know it now. The rapture is going to happen at this time. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When all the saints are gathered over on the other shore. And the roll is called up yonder. I'll be there. Will you be there? I hope you will be.